0: The, athletic.
1: the only way to score is of course to play uh, with a hand break off.
2: Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbreak off the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. We're back after the interminable international break. What do people who don't like football do on a Saturday? I mean, what do they do? One does my head in, but they have like 52 of them. I don't get it. Anyway, we don't have to think about that. Premier League football returns this weekend as the Arsenal head to the GTech Community Stadium to face Brentford on Saturday evening. I'm joined by Adrian Clarke and James McNicholas. Good morning.
0: Morning, Ian. Hello.
2: Morning. Nice to see you both. Now, James, you recently had a chat with Cole Jenkinson. It's a brilliant interview. You can find on the Athletic. Can you tell us a story of Mitch the tortoise? <laughs> yeah, because we were going to ask about pets. You see, and and I do love this story. So, uh, can you just recap the Mitch the tortoise story? I will do. It was
0: a wide-ranging interview with Carl, and <laughs> I, primarily didn't just
2: talk to him about the tortoise.
0: Yeah, I think we should point that out. Primarily, it was about <laughs> his career as a footballer and his time at Arsenal and what he's been up to since, but. Uh, In the midst of this conversation, I did happen to ask him about Mitch the tortoise because he'd mentioned him once years ago in uh, an interview he did with the Arsenal official website. turns out that as a child, Carl's dad uh, presented him with a pet tortoise called Mitch. For what else would you call a tortoise? And before long, unfortunately, Mitch ran into some health problems. He was... Ran? <laughs> walked very slowly yeah. into some health problems. He, <laughs> he, he ended up deaf and blind, apparently.
2: Oh, no. Sorry, I feel bad now.
0: <laughs> yeah, which for a tortoise, I mean, it's not great. Despite this, somehow uh, Mitch had a reputation as something of an escapologist. He would regularly get out of the Jenkinsons uh Essex Garden and turn up. They backed onto a park apparently and he'd escape into the park or sometimes into neighbours' gardens. So, in an effort to kind of stop him getting away, uh, or at least make him easier to return, uh, Carl's dad painted the home address, 24 boxted close, onto Mitch's shell. So every time he went missing, uh he could be returned. I suppose like a sort of primitive form of microchipping a dog. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking,
2: I mean, I remember when we took the kids to Glastonbury when they were younger, we'd write a mobile number on the arm. (laughs) Right, and uh, just in case they wandered off yeah. and they could Can show it to someone, they yeah. like could phone us No, 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 it, uh, you know, you have to uh, you have to prepare for these things, but I like the idea of painting the dress on a tortoise, that's a great idea. So, we were thinking about pets, uh, maybe sport-related uh, pets. Uh, Adrian, what you got?
1: <laughs> well, I've got no pet story at all. Um, yeah, I've, very, I've only had a couple of pets ever. Um, and I couldn't think of any funny stories. But I do have, uh, you know, I, I thought we could maybe relate it to Arsenal with with a little bit of tortoise related banter.
2: Um, <laughs> <laughs> was, oh, yeah. Was, Who doesn't like a bit of tortoise related banter? Well, I was banter? thinking about hey.
1: slow <laughs> Arsenal players and maybe players that, that were slow coming out of their shell if you uh, get my oh. drift. and uh, Now we do get your drift, yeah. it's and, nice. And yep. do you know what? There's one that absolutely came to mind and it's John Jensen. He was really slow. Um, obviously, for, for those younger listeners, you know, John Jensen was signed after Euro 92 when Denmark, who shouldn't have even been in the tournament, there were late call-ups, um, won it. It was a real fairy tale success and, and JJ scored the winning goal and Arsenal kind of signed him on the back of it. But in that first season, goodness me, he struggled. And what happened was that he really did grow. He grew into the shirt and the badge. And he was this tough tackling midfielder that never scored but but would charge around the pitch at a relatively sedate pace, um, <laughs> making tackles. You'll remember it, Stoney. So um, he, he got better and better and he got more and more popular. And as a person, he also came out of his shell as well and um, for going from quite a quiet player initially. He, he ended up being one of the big characters in the dressing room, absolutely mad as a box of frogs. He was just a bit eccentric with his clobber, uh, certainly with his footwear and and... With various things, you know, that I couldn't go into on this podcast. Eccentric,
2: so. eccentric with footwear. What, I mean, I I'm mean, sort of wondering just, how eccentric just you all, can be. Just
1: sandals and socks and just weird oh. stuff. He'd just wear odd socks and and just your know, multicolored weird stuff. But he was Scandin- you know, Scandinavian. 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 You know, Scandinavian. Yeah. You know, you know yeah. I don't want to label all of annoy- our Scandinavian <laughs> listeners as, as eccentric and, yeah. and, 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 and badly dressed. But at the time, he got a lot of flack to uh, John Jensen. But yeah, he immediately came to mind. He was slow, but he came out of his shell and, and uh, he turned out to be a, yeah, a, a quite a popular player. Liked him. And
2: when he scored, it was amazing. Uh, and, uh, well, if we're talking about slow players, by the way, I have to... A word for Andre Santos a few years ago. <laughs> just, I mean, I, I, I don't understand what happened there. What obviously was funny, although not funny in terms of a safety aspect, was him getting done for speeding on the way to training. Because <laughs> uh, that was... <laughs> it was 106.2. I mean, I...
1: thought I, he's never... Yeah, it yeah. was ridiculous. I had to do the... Bre- obviously, I was doing the breakdowns, you know, to analyse all the matches for Arsenal. And, you know... It, one thing I never liked to do was dig out individual players. You know, it's one thing I couldn't really do, but it was hard to be positive about Andre Santos. I mean, he put he scored in some... a goal
2: against Chelsea, didn't he? he? Scored a goal away at Chelsea, he I remember. Did.
1: He did, but he was a pretty bad player, wasn't he? he was, it, it, yeah. yeah, he didn't he seem great. to be
2: up to the standards. Um, James, <laughs> by the way, have you, had, have you had
0: any pets? Yeah, loads. By the way, I was thinking on the Scandinavian thing. Carl Jenkinson is half finished That might partly explain his. Uh, eccentric upbringing with Mitch the Tortoise <laughs> I've had loads of pets um, lots of stories some of which uh, end too sadly for me to tell on this podcast most but of
2: them do don't they? Yeah. really
0: in the end my dog until, that I had until recently Belle she sort of had a knack of being a pickpocket she could take a woman's earrings out uh, while she was ostensibly kissing or cuddling her, which is quite impressive. <laughs> that is quite
2: impressive, really. <laughs> I mean, you could train them up to do stuff like that, couldn't you, if you really were of that uh, uh, mind? Yeah, I've had loads of pets. Uh, we had a cat. We, we've still got a cat uh, called Lulu. I wanted to call her Earther because I wanted to give it Earther cat, but uh, my missus wouldn't let me. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that name's going if anybody fancies it. Before we talk uh, about uh, some of the football things that have been going on. William Saliba did a little quiz where he had to name players oh, my from word. a fairly recent history, funny, to be it? honest yeah. with you. Uh, Danielson was in there, uh, Eduardo. Uh, anyway, he mistook Philip Senderos for Sean Dyche, and I think that's uh, worth a mention.
1: <laughs> so good. Uh, harsh
2: <laughs> as well. If I'm Senderos, I'm having a word with him about that. But we forget, don't we, how young these these guys are. I mean, he's 21 and he's looking at Danielson who I mean, it's fairly recent history, yeah. and uh, no idea. He only who really it was. knew the
1: French players, didn't he? I mean, mm. he it, did.
2: Well, he played against Sonogo, yeah. hadn't he? He yeah. said he picked up uh, William Sonogo, and yeah. he played against him. Um, on the subject of football, not necessarily related specifically to Arsenal, Everton were handed a ten-point deduction for breaching profit and sustainability rules. James, I mean, it is a serious precedent. Do you think that this could really upset the apple cart? If, as we think will happen, Man City and Chelsea might be found guilty of stuff, but they're going to be lawyered up in a way that Everton just can't afford and it may well be that they get off. I mean, I mean that is a cause. Legal issues could come into it then, couldn't they, really?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think you're kind of opening Pandora's box here. You know, there's going to be a lot of knock-on effect from this ruling. And it does feel slightly odd to me that, you know, Everton have been charged, had their hearing, had their punishment, we're still waiting on Man City. And obviously that, you know, it's a it's a different accusation. Uh and arguably I think a, a stronger accusation, a worse accusation, which is effectively that they've misled the Premier League. Everton essentially fell foul of um, not turning, making too big a loss, you know, and and there were actually, I thought, some quite compelling reasons that they made such a big loss or failed to make the kind of revenue that they anticipated in that period. In the case of Man City, the accusation is that they've sort of actively sought to be quite underhand in terms, not cooperating, yeah, not and not cooperating. So yeah listen it sets a big precedent it, it, there's all kind of knock-on effects in terms of clubs that have been relegated that are going to want to you know seek damages here and what it means for city we'll have to wait and see i also think a big element in this is the premier league trying to show strong governance you know in the face of sort of calls for uh, some kind of outside governance of football maybe at a parliamentary level I think this is about the Premier League trying to show no 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 we're grown-ups we can look after ourselves and thus handing out quite a, a steep sentence effectively to uh, Everton but yeah maybe I'm just a bit jaded but part of me feels right now like with the the legal might of Manchester City. They might end up uh, escaping relatively softly here.
2: Yeah, I mean, they have put themselves in a position now, haven't they? The Premier League, as as James said, mm. Adrian, that they, you know, they've set the precedent. And, and so people will now look at what's going to go or go on with Manchester City and maybe with some of the others as well. Tottenham as well. There was a whole thing with Jermaine Defoe, wasn't there? That's right,
1: yeah. Un- use of an unlicensed agent. Yeah, going back in time. I think they should be punished severely,
2: shouldn't they, Spurs? Let's be fair. <laughs> oh, I mean, whatever. Oh, Even oh, if they haven't done this thing, I think. Be, li- like li- I would say, to be <laughs> honest. But I, Adrian, I mean, you know, what what is going to happen? I mean, you've got your crystal ball. Can you have a look in and tell yeah. us what you think? Well...
1: Yeah, it's it is a very different case, isn't it? It's historical, which makes it a little bit murkier, doesn't it? Going back quite 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 a long way in time. But you know, there are there are a lot of charges and I agree, I think they are more serious charges. And I think the Premier League are very determined to 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 meet out a punishment for, for Manchester City. I don't think there's any doubt about that. It's just Will they, you know, will City's immense legal team be able to wriggle out of it? That That's the the big question mark. I, yeah, hopefully not. And, and you know, retrospective punishments could, could, it could be a possibility that they lose titles. Uh, when you consider Everton's relatively minor crime is punished by 10 Ten points. You know, Cities has got to be colossal by way of comparison, hasn't it? And and the, the you know Chelsea are in trouble as well over Abramov, Some of Abramovich's dealings. I'm led to believe as well. So yeah, watch this space. But I'm not holding my breath because yeah,
2: City have power.
1: Is. The, the the other issue, of course, is is driving Manchester City into the arms of a. Of a breakaway league, isn't it? And you know, potentially, and you know that we know that Barcelona and Real Madrid, and you know, still maybe harbour dreams of of some kind of super league, and that's the problem, isn't it? But they, for, for, yeah, if, if found guilty, they need to be punished, and I would imagine that punishment is going to be meaty.
2: Yeah, I would say so, hey, uh, James. If Man City were punished and lost titles, uh, would that in any way? Make it right for Arsenal after last season. If we should have won a title, and we're given a retrospective title, I always think of Olympic athletes who came fourth who end up getting medals in the post. It's not the same, is it? It isn't the same, and it will never, be, it'll never the be the same. I mean, I'm not saying this will happen, mm. but
0: no, I don't think it will. I I I think um, it's almost impossible to celebrate something mm. like that. Um, it doesn't feel like an achievement in itself were manchester city punished by for example being relegated and arsenal to win the subsequent season uh you know win the league in that subsequent season on their own merit i think that is something that you would absolutely celebrate and enjoy mm. every minute of but i think a retrospective title kind of ceases to have any meaning sadly and, and that is a shame because you know if it is found that City have effectively cheated their way to those championships then you know by rights there should have been another winner but I think doing it for, you know
1: looking back I just don't think it's don't think it really works. It's us. empty, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's an em- yeah, empty it success. But it is. But yeah, but, but, but they we'll was,
2: take it. They, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> we'll know, you take yeah, it. But j- it won't justice yeah, will not be.
1: be served. I hope justice is served because you know, from the stuff that I've read, it, if if they're found guilty of this, it, you know, it's bang out of order what they did.
2: Yeah, quite. Uh, and also, there was a, uh, a Premier League uh, club vote on a potential ban on signing loan players from associated teams. Uh, the vote needed 14 in favour and uh, not passed as uh, seven voted. Against,
1: oh, good clubs looking after their own interests, isn't it? It's as sim- simple as that. I mean, yeah, it's not. They just- always will, though, won't they? They yeah. always will. Though
2: clubs will vo- look uh, vote for their own interests, and I understand that. Um, but this is—it's not healthy, is it?
0: I think a quirk of the Premier League's voting system is that you require 14 votes to carry a proposal. You know, that's quite a lot. I mean, ultimately, this ended up being 12-8, so there was a clear majority on one side but that was not sufficient to get this over the line I think this will come back uh, soon in the summer and you know maybe some of those clubs who voted against this proposal who knows by the summer they may not be in the Premier League and so I think there's a decent chance this one will eventually go through I hope it does because it seems to me that it's open to all sorts of explo- exploitation under the current system.
1: What an advantage it is. You know, you can get overinflated transfer fees for your own players for a start. You know, that that doesn't feel right. And then you get basically, you, you'll obviously get first dibs if you are Newcastle on players in the Saudi Pro League, won't you? I mean, it starts to reason it is a massive advantage. And I think that that loophole needs shutting.
2: Quite well, we've been here 20 minutes. We haven't talked about Arsenal really, <laughs> not a huge amount. Um, we played Brentford on Saturday evening. We've only conceded three goals in five away games so far this season. That is very encouraging, is it not, James? I mean, obviously, it depends who plays. And Ben White uh picked up an injury, uh, very, very fit and a huge really impressive in terms of the number of games he's played. He's a doubt, isn't he?
0: He is a doubt, but he's had this little layoff over the international break. Uh, I think he's got a decent chance, certainly, of, of being in contention. We'll find out a bit more tomorrow when Mikel Ante- uh, speaks to the media. I say a bit more <laughs> because he doesn't like to let too much... Uh- <laughs> <laughs> give away too much in those press conferences, but... Yeah, it would be excellent if White can play. I'd, I'd love to see that kind of right-hand side unit of White, Odegaard, Saka back on the pitch. It's not just White we've been without, it's Odegaard yeah. as well, isn't it, for a little spell now. So. And
2: that connection, that connection is so important,
0: isn't it? It is, it is so important. And there's been a lot of talk in this international break about the defensive side of Arsenal's game, and, and rightly so. I think they're doing really excellent things on that front. Um I think you can make a pretty solid case they are the best team defensively in the league right now. But uh, we want to see that attacking connection getting going a little bit more. And I think that right-hand side group are integral to that, really.
2: Yeah. Uh, Aaron Ramsdale will be back in goal because David Rea is ineligible to face his parent club. I mean, I talk to fans of, of other teams as well as Arsenal fans. Adrian, no one understands the goalkeeping thing. No one quite gets what's going on and why Mikel Arteta has done this. We know Rambo will play on Saturday. We also know, almost for certain, that he won't play in the Champions League the following week. We talked the other day about his old man kicking off a little bit and making quite an
1: impassioned uh, statement. I mean, what do we think? Uh, do we know, though? Do we know? I mean, if if... If a striker came in and scored a hat-trick in in this game, they'd expect to keep their place, wouldn't they, for for the next one? I mean... Eddie
2: Eddie scored a hat-trick against uh, Sheffield United (laughs) and uh, Trostodd came in the game after. So it actually doesn't work that way. It used to work that way when you were
1: playing. It is true.
2: But... Well, listen. I mean, do you think that uh, Aaron Ramsdale, if he played a blinder, would play in the Champions League? Because I don't.
1: I think it's unlikely, but I would. I wouldn't say it's impossible. And and if I was Aaron, that's all you can cling to, isn't it? You just just think I, I've got to have a blinder here. I have to. I have to be outstanding. Keep his cool, Has to stay motivated and be ready and and in this match he's he's got to have a great game obviously we as supporters don't want him to be that busy but if he is busy and he and he performs it it could really play into his favour and I've seen I've seen careers turn on one game before I think we all have where you wrote off players and you thought well they're they're, they're done and then they suddenly have an unbelievable game and the manager changes their mind on them It, it can happen and and a lot of people will be hoping it happens this weekend with Aaron Ramsdale at Brentford it's a strange one Uh, you know because Adrian you just touched on it there but
0: if Arsenal play their game as they hope to play it then theoretically Aaron Ramsdale should have a quiet game yeah Yeah. so for him to shine things almost have to go wrong so yeah, it's an odd, it's an odd position he finds himself in. He knows he needs to have a blinder, but for him to have a blinder, the team probably need to underperform. Well, um,
2: James, I mean, in the piece you wrote about uh, Carl Jenkinson, you know, he was meant He was talking about a sliding doors moment when he was playing uh, in this game, and he comes sliding in and wipes someone out. <laughs> And, and he could have been sent off, but the linesman looked at him and said, don't worry, son, I'll tell him it's a yellow. And he did, <laughs> and he said if he'd have been out for three games, his whole career might have been different. So there are sliding doors moments. And Mikel Arteta has said, I mean, you know, we take a lot of things he says at face value, but he said it's it's a, it's a fight between the two goalkeepers and no one is my first choice and no one is my second choice or, or words to that effect. So if that is the case and Rambo does play well because things have gone horribly wrong in the defence, well, maybe he could be in for a while.
0: Look, I know it feels like we're getting close to the January transfer window, and a lot of people will look at the Ramsdale situation through that prism. But from his perspective, he needs to focus on the immediate future. There are 10 games between now and January, and you know I think it's reasonable for him to believe that if he performs well at Brentford he's got a chance of figuring in in more of those games than he did let's say between this international break and the last one Um, he came in for the West Ham game and had quite a difficult night it was quite a thrown together Arsenal team at Brentford he's going to be playing with the first 11 and I think if you're a player on the bench who gets their chance that's what you want you want to be playing in a team that's all set up everybody knows each other the relationships are there and you're stepping into that framework so it's a big game for him and yeah I I think it's it's an odd one because he comes into it under quite a lot of pressure knowing he needs to produce so yeah, curious to see how he gets on.
2: Well, we'll see uh, how that goes. Further up the pitch, Martin Urtacard, Seems to be fit again. Didn't play for Norway, but the, according to the Norwegian coach, he's making good progress. Uh, Gabriel Jesus played ninety minutes for Brazil on Tuesday evening against Argentina. I didn't think he was coming back for quite a few weeks more, but turns out he's uh, he's a, he's quick in recovery. Adrian, would you start him because it's about loading, right? And he's so he's played for Brazil. Then he's got to fly all the way back. Would you start him or would you have uh, Leandro
1: Trossard or Eddie Nketiah leading the line and bring him on? It's a really good question because I I would always have Gabriel Jesus starting, if I'm honest. I really like him as a player. Um, Yeah, I would always have him starting if if he's fit and fresh and, and available. But for this game... No, because we've got Gabriel that's come back from Brazil. We've got Martinelli that's come back from Brazil. I don't know Scored if I want three. his first international goal,
2: yeah, by the way. Yeah, Gabriel yeah it was a good goal they as well, wasn't it. it? A really yeah, nice goal. It was.
1: Um, I don't know if I want three players in our starting eleven that have had that long, long trip back. Uh, and obviously, Jesus, he had a full 90 minutes and he hasn't had one of he those did. for a long time. I think it might be more prudent to start him on the bench, not least because Trossard has... Has been really good. I think the last few games, and and uh, probably deserves to keep his place. And and Trossard, with his movement, I think he'll be quite slippery. They'll have a back three, that which will turn into a back five for the game Brentford. So it really is going to be about movement here. We need to drag those those, those three central defenders into places they don't want to go. And I think that, that that a Trossard style striker rather than Eddie would would be the way to go in this particular game. Look, if, if Jesus gets the nod, I'm not going to be upset about it, but maybe the more careful thing to do would be to introduce Jesus from the bench.
2: And, um, uh, James, I know you talked about this before. I mean, we talked about Zinny being brought into midfield. Um, no one considered the opposite move, which was to put Kai Havertz back <laughs> at, uh, full uh, turns out he played there for this, Germany <laughs> during the international break. Um, I mean, did you see him play there? Did it work?
0: I didn't watch the games, I have to confess. I I saw that he scored, I think, in the first game that he played there. Um, From left back? Well, yeah. I mean, he was in the penalty box at the time. I think he was given quite a roaming brief in the same way that Zinchenko is for Arsenal. And the manager was very complimentary about Havertz's tactical intelligence and his ability to play different roles in the team. I have to say you know, I don't think we'll see him there in the Premier League uh, for Arsenal. At least, I hope not. Uh, Maybe I'm just being short-sighted, but I don't quite see it for him as a full-back. I think I'd rather have André Santos, frankly, in that position. No, really?
2: (laughs) I mean, uh, come on. I mean, listen, he's he's a talented player. We've got to try and see if he works somewhere, you know.
0: Yeah, sure. I was thinking more maybe further forward than further back, but maybe I'm looking at it all wrong. I don't know at this point. <laughs> I, I, I think, uh, yeah, Havertz, I think he's got a decent chance, hasn't he, of, of featuring in in the midfield, depending on who else is available. But, you know, you'd think Declan Rice is probably going to play. Jorginho's probably going to play. If Martin Odegaard is ready, he's going to play. So, Might have to start with a place on the bench at Brentford. Um, I I think the Jesus thing is fascinating because, you know, there has been a bit of tension, shall we say, between Arsenal and the Brazilian Federation. Gabriel Martinelli wasn't called up for the last international break. Brazil were sort of on the understanding that he was injured. He was then selected on the bench for the Man City game, came on and scored. And I think Brazil were a little bit uh, unhappy with that. So they were they were like very clear they wanted to have a look at Gabriel Jesus in person and to be fair, I think Gabriel Jesus was also very clear he wanted to go. You know, I don't think we can underestimate how much these players, almost particularly Brazilian players, how much it means to them to play for Brazil in a game of the magnitude of Argentina. We saw how heated it got on and off the pitch. Um these are the games you want to play in as a player and they have a bit of an injury crisis up front as well Brazil and I actually think it has worked out fairly well for Arsenal you know I think that 90 minutes is valuable Getting back for Gabriel Jesus yeah, yeah he, need, he needs game time and there aren't a ton of opportunities to give a player those minutes um, at Arsenal so I think he comes back better off than he was when he went but I still think 90 minutes in the week the journey I think the start is probably asking a bit too much. And Trossard's been doing really well. So I think Trossard will play and, and Jesus will be an option from the bench.
2: Alright. Uh Man City, Liverpool in the early kickoff. Uh and then we're playing in the afternoon. So we're hoping
1: for a draw. There's some big fixtures, Stony. Yeah, like Newcastle, mm. Chelsea, Everton, Manu. Yeah, there's some big game Spurs Villa. I think there's you know there's a possibility that results could go our way so we've got to make sure we win we're in it right we're in it we
2: this is what we talked about we have to stay in there till April and if we're one or two points from the top of the table and then mm. we're in the title race and so yeah. and i think the players yeah. know that the players know that so like Mitch uh, the
0: tortoise against the hare you know <laughs> sl-
2: slow but steady
0: slow but steady <laughs>
2: If you find one of these players, please return to Arsenal Stadium. Anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, hopefully the physios wrote that on Gabriel Jesus before they <laughs> sent him away with Brazil.
2: <laughs> yeah, and by the way, uh, Brentford last year away uh, saw Mikel Arteta bring on a 15-year-old uh, called Ethan Wanieri, And uh, Haylen was at it again last weekend. And so what we thought we'd do in, uh, uh, after the break is have a little chat uh, about some of the kids we saw playing because there's some fantastic performances. Uh, Ian Stone, James McNicholas, and Adrian Clark here on Handbreak Off the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to michelobultra.com. Slash courtside to learn more.
0: They get a handbrake off, and you can see that they are more free to play.
2: This is handbrake off. As I said before the break, um, Ethan Wanieri came on against Brentford last year, 15 years old. we got some outstanding players in the Hayland Academy. There was a video going round of Arsenal under-16s beating Liverpool under-16s 14-3. Uh, 15-year-old Cheeto Obi Martin scored 10 goals. Now, Adrian, I've been reading about this kid, Obi Martin, one of his coaches said that he's very hungry to score goals, but he needs to learn to play with the team a bit more. Um, You don't want to coach that out too much though, do you, from strikers? You really want strikers to be desperate to score, but there has to be, he's got learning to do. He's 15.
1: Yeah. Well, physical strength will, will get you a long way in youth football. And I think it's really, really important that, that players don't just rely on on that, and that they build up the rest of their skill set, because there will come a day where, when you come up against defenders that are as big and strong as you, you know, grown ups, so to speak, where where then you suddenly don't stand out like you did in in the kids game, and I'm not saying that's what's happened what's happening here, but yeah, I, I he's would a big kid, though, isn't he? He's a big kid. Yeah, I would urge. Urge Cheeto, Obi to, yeah, to work on all, all facets of his game because because when you get to play with the big boys, um, it, it's a different kettle of fish and you, your touch has to be right. You have to be a team player. You have to be able to link. You have to be uh, have great football intelligence. You can't rely on on, on those sort of goal, goal-hungry instincts that, that got you there in the first place. I, I was speaking to a coach the other day and he said... Yeah, he, he got taken on straight away. He got a trial. He got taken on as a kid, and he smashed it up until about under 15s and then he suddenly he couldn't use the he couldn't use his power anymore. And by the end of that season, he was released, and he's ended up he's become a coach. So it's it, yeah, you need to be rounded to to make it, no doubt about that. But goodness me, scored ten. In, in a game is amazing. I think that Arsenal beating Liverpool 14 3 is just astonishing, really, because Liverpool obviously have a great pull in the northwest of, of, of the country. That That is phenomenal. And I, I saw some clips, I saw some goals uh, of of, of Chido Obi and of Max Dowman, the 13 year old, and I was like, whoa, okay, this is. They look unreal. Well, this is what I wanted to talk
2: about because because I watched the same clips. So I went round uh, uh, Hayland Productions. I followed them on uh, on Twitter, and they. <laughs> I out, think I did. I don't and, think
1: I was following before either. No, and and it was absolutely
2: beautiful <laughs> to watch. Uh, James Max Downman, thirteen years old. Did you see, by the way, this this stuff from Hayland? Um, Because I watched Max Downman. As I say he's thirteen. He's playing with the under sixteen, so he's playing quite a bit above his age group. And and it was really a thing of beauty to watch him play. I mean, there was a bit of Martin Erdegaard about him, maybe a bit of Meza. It, it was lovely to watch the confidence of the kid, and I I felt the same as Adrian. I genuinely I thought, wow, what am I looking at here? But so much can change with these kids. I mean, he's thirteen, the growth spurts or the lack of it. I mean, I mean, we are definitely we've got some special talents in that Haaland uh, group.
0: We do have some special talents, but I think what you have to remember is it's probably more difficult to break into the Arsenal first team at this point in time than it has been at any point in the last maybe 10 years or so. And I think that, you know, the the generation that we're looking at now, people like Kai Saka, Gabriel Martinelli, Emil Smith-Rowe, they were afforded an opportunity, game time at a point where the club was at a relative low in our recent history. Um, And that chance was there for them to break into the first team. But when you look at the strength of the first team squad now, I know, look, we're not going to be talking about these particular players as first team players for another, you know, I don't know, four, five, six years it could be. But uh, if we stay at the top, if we keep this kind of depth and quality, you know, it's hard enough for international class players to get a kick of the ball. You look at someone like Jakub Kivy or a full-time international with Poland can't get in the team. Tommy wouldn't be in a team if uh, Urien Timber was fit. Exactly, right? So you've got very seasoned pros, top players struggling for minutes. I think what's really interesting is we are, Haylen continues to produce talents, but I think you're going to have to be utterly exceptional to make it at Arsenal. And I think there is all kinds of secondary questions then about, well, then to what end is this? You know, how do you profit from it? Um, and I think we need to get better at turning our academy players that don't quite make it with us into really saleable assets. I mean, you know, you'd cite the example of Cole Palmer, for example, from Man City, doing very well at Chelsea now. But look at what Man City got from him in the transfer market. Whatever kind of strings they might be pulling behind the scenes with their finances, it doesn't hurt to bring in 45 million quid or whatever it was for a Cole Palmer. So can Arsenal manage these players' careers so that if they don't make it, we can still reap the benefits of their development?
2: I was with some Newcastle fans last night and they were eulogising Joe Willock. I mean, genuinely, they absolutely love him. And we did get decent money for him. So there's an Academy product who came through. You know, it cost us absolutely nothing, obviously, all the development. So it does work. The other thing I should say, Adrian, before you come in, Arsenal right now comes in first for percentage of minutes by Academy players 22.1%, followed by Man United, Chelsea, and Brighton. So right now, there is a pathway.
1: Yeah, that we're a big pull, obviously because we're Arsenal, but because we have a you know long-standing tradition of giving young players a chance. Mikel Arteta's proven that he's happy to do it. So, so yeah, that there's no reason if you're a really talented young player and Arsenal want you, there's no reason to go elsewhere. Uh, there's plenty of reasons to come here. So yeah, no, it's, it is exciting. Um, yeah, but there's a there's a long long way to go, long long way to go for for, for these young players because things do do level out, but but the yeah the, the talent of these these kids are, is, is frightening, and um, the coaching but,
2: as well. But, by the way, I mean Jack Wilsh's uh, coaching yeah. down there. We have got some serious coaching talent. It seems Pierre Mertesacker running the whole academy.
1: These guys know what it takes. It's looking good, it, it is. But look, you know, as good as Wanieri and Miles Lewis Skelly uh, are, you know, they've just been playing for the England under-17s, haven't they, in the World Cup? Yeah. And, and I watched a couple of the games and, and they did fine, but they didn't, they weren't truly outstanding in that England team. You know, there were players of their age that looked just as good as them that are dotted all around the country. So things things can level up quite quickly with, with talented young players. So we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves with, with these two, but... But yeah from what I saw that highlight <laughs> reel it was it was very very special. I've never you know obviously been around football since I was a young player at Arsenal spotted at the age of 10. So you know it's, you know all getting on for 40 years which is crazy of seeing young players come through at Arsenal. I've never seen a 13 year old you know playing in the under 18s like Dowman has or or shining in that manner uh, 3 years up yeah. It's it's phenomenal really. We
0: should just offer by the way I should before the Liverpool fans get onto us. They did lose their goalkeeper quite early in that game. And uh, I believe one of the outfielders went in goal. Whether or not he was from the under nines, I don't know. But <laughs> the scoreline would certainly suggest as much. <laughs> yeah, okay, 14, okay, three, yeah, the, yeah it
1: puts it into a bit of perspective. <laughs> perhaps,
2: yeah. perhaps. Uh, let's have a song uh, to finish. Um, I've, by the way, uh, gone for the youth angle as opposed to the tortoise or slowness angle, and gone for uh, "When You're Young" by the Jam. Because I went. What happened was that I hadn't listened to him in a while. Even though obviously I was obsessed as a kid, and then they had an exhibition at Somerset House, and uh, we went along. Me and my two mates used to go and see them. And the first song we heard when we come in, it was actually a video of the boys playing "When You're Young," and and it just took me right back. I mean, genuinely did. And and watching these kids playing the other day was a thrill. It genuinely was a thrill. I mean, I was out by seat a couple of times. So uh, that's what I'm having.
1: Like it's Thomas,
2: James, what about you?
0: Well, do you know what? I was thinking about my chat with Carl Jenkinson because he absolutely lived the dream. In fact, I told him on the call, Adrian's lived this dream as well, but I, I told Carl, like, I've had dreams where I play for Arsenal. You know, that's something that happens when I go to sleep at night. And in my dreams, I'm never the best player. I'm never the number 10. I'm never the, you know, the star striker. I'm just like a squad guy. And I can't believe it. I'm still absolutely over the moon. And frankly, even in the dreams, I get terrified that I have to play because I'm like, oh God, I'm not actually very good. (laughs) But um, (laughs) anyway, so anyway, that's my dream. And Carl Jenkinson uh, definitely lived my dream. So I picked a song called uh, Living the Dream by Morgan Wallace, a country artist. It's about. Living the dream, the highs and the lows, and sometimes the dream doesn't always turn out like you might hope it to. So that was kind of the story of (laughs) of Carl's Arsenal career, and I've picked that song.
2: It's living a dream, it's killing me, killing me, killing me. It's killing me,
1: killing me, killing me. me. I I used to have dreams when I, after I left Arsenal, I was probably still playing professional football, they were so vivid, so vivid. Of me playing for Arsene Wenger, which is something I never did in the first team. So vivid that I kind of had to check whether that actually happened. Do you know Mm. what I mean? Whether my appearance record was... (laughs) Was actually wrong. Did I score that in the Champions
2: but- League final?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I used to have it regularly. That's I think great. it's because I was so desperate to to have done that, you know. Um, but it, they were so real; it was scary.
2: That's interesting. I mean, I mean, we have talked. I don't know if we talked about football dreams on um, on this podcast before. I, I I used to have a lot of dreams playing for Arsenal as well. Loads and loads. Until one night when I was dreaming that I was that we were 2-2 and we were from 2-0 down we got back to 2-2 and in the 90th minute I'd made a forward run and got on the end of a cross uh, and, uh, and scored the winner in front of the Arsenal fans um, and about halfway up the pitch my conscious mind popped in and went you can't do that, you're in it. don't be an idiot you're, you couldn't do that when you were 25, you're 50 now and I can't have the dream again, I can't have the dream and I told a mate of mine, he says to me well I had a dream that I was an unused substitute so, uh, <laughs> I think, you know, there are football, limits. football dreams are not always the glory, are they? I quite like that. Um, that's rather going off the subject of a song. Adrian, what you got for us?
1: Mine is in relation to William Saliba, obviously, um, basically getting about two out of ten on the, on the Arsenal photo quiz. Um, so you know it's <laughs> a mistake sender us for Sean Dykes was was very funny. Um so I've gone for um Song for Whoever by the beautiful South. Obviously it contains that line, I forget your name, and then they rattle off a load of names. And that was what it was a little bit like for William Saliba when he was trying to identify these Arsenal players. Yeah, so Song for Whoever, because he hasn't got a Scooby who any of the former Arsenal players are. I forget you in the Jennifer, name. Allison, I
2: forget your name. Eduardo upset me you know when he didn't get him because he should have been a great I mean he was I love watching him play but that awful tackle
0: it all upset did him, me because it just made me realize how young he is and how old I am <laughs> there is that
2: as well there is that. <laughs> um, that's it for this edition of Handbrake Off. Uh, like I say, thank Evans. Football. Football. Proper football is back uh, at the weekend. Uh, fingers crossed and everything. Uh, thanks to James. Thanks to Adrian. And thanks to Jay, our producer. We'll be back after Brentford at the weekend. Have a nice day. See you. <laughs>